This, this is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in. The huddle. You are listening to the huddle. No Stacy Ross today. It's just me, Michael Bumbus, with my guy. Dave Wyman getting you ready for the game this weekend. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. Um, tough win last week. We sat here on a Thursday and we said, look, we think this is going to be a close game. I know you look at the commanders and, and you see the logo and the thoughts just creeping to your brain about how that field is garbage. This team isn't any good. But then you look at the roster and the, the talent that they have. We felt like this was going to be a close one. Uh, Geno Smith has a career day. doesn't feel like a career day. 369 passing yards. Um, struggled in the first half, that offense. When it was time to win, they made plays, man. What are your thoughts on this win? Yeah, I, I thought the same thing, that, you know, he uh, he he ended up winning the game. I mean, there's lots of times where we've had arguments as like, well, if he was better in the second and third quarter, maybe he wouldn't have to make a game-winning drive at uh-huh. the end, right? But, yeah, he's um, he's getting it done. And I think I think one of the things I think we're going to talk about on our show, I know KJ was talking about possibly having him, having Gino run a little bit more, that he's actually got right. good feet. I know Mark Sanchez was saying that. So maybe he can make a, a couple of, start to make a couple of more plays that way. But in the end, he ends up getting it done. Um, defensively, they gave up almost 100 yards on like a backyard school, uh, right. you know, uh, uh-huh. schoolyard <laughs> play where the, the back kind of trickles out and they end up, you know, they end up victimizing two guys that typically go after the quarterback, right? Yep. Boye Mafe and, and Dre Jones. And those guys are trained to go get the quarterback and they should have been on coverage. So, yeah, there's a couple of, uh, you know, those kinds of plays. But uh, I feel like Sam Howell is a lot better player than, uh, than we all thought he was. That's for sure. And I know coming into this game, like, of their top you know, top 10 plays the last five games, like 47 or 48 of them have involved him this week. It was eight of 10. I mean, he, he scrambles around, makes good throws and, you know, gets lots of yards after catch. Sam Howell. Now going into this game, we, um, we spoke to their play by play man, Bram Weinstein, I believe his name is. And, um, he told us, look, they found, they think they found their franchise guy. And I go, all right, let me see. What is he talking about? And, you mentioned how they picked on certain guys, and that was Boye Mafe, who, uh, who who was in no man's land on that big touchdown, right? At least I feel like he was peeling with the running back, Robinson, on that very first touchdown. Howell moves up in the pocket like he's about to run. He's kind of like, what do I do? Do I go and get this mobile quarterback, or do I leave my guy here, Robinson? finds Robinson and then I felt like they attacked the flats and made our flat defenders linebackers and safeties really have to expand right so they just were dinking and dunking and taking what the defense gave them so after this game I'm with you I walked away with a newfound respect for Sam Howell and what they got going over there I think this is going to be a good football team eventually but uh focusing on the Seahawks the first this is the most productive game you've gotten out of your three top receivers out of DK Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think they combined for well over 200 something yards and a touchdown, man. It was nice to see these receivers get involved the way they did. Yeah, really. And to see him, like you said, spread it around. I mean, he had what, uh, nine different, um, nine different targets and including, you know, the, the tight ends, but especially the, the wide receivers you mentioned, uh, targeted Lockett 10 times, eight catches, Metcalf, 12, seven catches, and and 
and also uh, Njigba, you know, got him going a little bit too. So I, I just feel like they have a lot of weapons, and it's just a lot of it has to do with Gino's play. But also, you know, we found out the week before that if Gino doesn't have enough time or they're too late developing of, of uh, routes, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to make him look pretty bad. So, yeah, I, I thought they did a good job sort of uh, getting the ball outside, and I feel like, you know, there's probably a cry right now to let's get more Lockett. Right, just right. keep throwing it to Tyler. He always he seems like he's always open. They rushed for 120 yards as a team. Kenneth Walker had 19 carries for 63 yards. Zach Charbonnet six carries for 44 yards, and Geno had one scramble for 13 yards. A big scramble, actually. I believe it was a third down. Um, yeah. So you you see that number? You say a buck 20 on the ground. Okay, that feels good. But you also feel like there were some yards left out when it comes to the run game. Ken Walker still trying to find his groove, had a long of 13. Zach Charbonnet has been the more consistent one out of the two. Um, what do you do with this run game? Is it a stuff? You just be stubborn, just keep running it? You know, or, or do, you, do you switch up formations? How do you get this thing going? Well, I like the way that they, uh, and we talked about this on, on Monday when I came in to talk to you guys, that they played more downhill blocking scheme, mm-hmm. like a, a pin and pull type of thing with Charbonnet because he's a north-south runner yep. and then Ken Walker and I'm not sure where you are with it bump like there's lots of times where I'm like no don't, you're dancing around too much but then he gets out of it you yeah. know and I don't know if he has that kind of trust uh from from Pete where he's like just let him do his thing or are they starting to say to him hey we need you to go more north and south but he's much better with that sort of zone blocking scheme and I feel like that's kind of his thing the downhill thing is Charbonnet and I guess that's kind of the definition of the the one-two punch right I wouldn't mind seeing Gino with a, a few more yards scrambling I mean he had the one scramble I think for 13 and he you know slides down but I think there's a lot of opportunities there and I know I heard KJ yesterday talking about that that sometimes these quarterbacks get back there and they're like hey I'm here to throw Uh and you know uh, Gino actually has the speed to run so hopefully uh, that's something he'll start to develop a little bit more because I think the opportunities have been there for him all right let's focus on this defense a little bit man so I look at this defense and Boye Mafe his seventh sack in a row our seventh game with a sack uh, that beats Michael Sinclair's record for the franchise record with six yeah Devin Witherspoon with three passes defended even Bobby had two passes defended as well with a quarterback hit man yes they were dink and dunk and there were some explosive plays being made over there but what'd you see with the defense uh, I thought I thought they looked pretty good, really. I mean, other than the big explosives that they gave up, I mean, that's the one thing that I know drives Pete nuts. But, you know, you look, they had a 51, a 48, a 35. So, I mean, those are the kinds of things that kind of drive coaches nuts. But, you know, starting to get after the, the quarterback a little bit. And I the thing that really stood out to me, Bump, was the what Big Cat Williams brings them. Uh-huh. I feel like that guy can't be double teamed. And I went back and watched it in, you know, when he was with the Giants. I mean, he is really tough to block. He was also, he got his own sack. Plus he was part of Boye Mafe's sack because that was a double team and they ran a little stunt there. And, you know, look, the guard didn't come off of Williams because he didn't feel like he had him secured yet. And so that was just enough time for Boye to get there. So, yeah, I think they're, they're starting to come around. It's amazing to me that Devin Witherspoon just continues to make plays. And, Man. you know, it's funny. I was watching uh, Hard Knocks and, you know, was looking at, uh, at their, their corner, um, you know, Sauce Gardner, who just you watch his feet. And he was covering Garrett Wilson, and he's got just those amazing feet like nobody else and doesn't fall for moves and stuff. 
That's kind of what I see from Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. His feet are so good at the top of a route and how he breaks on things. I feel like quarterbacks around the league aren't quite getting yet that you can't throw on him. He's just <laughs> too quick. And, you know, he, he it's almost like he knows what the route is. But I think more than anything, it's just his quickness. So looking for him to continue to make plays. I thought... You know, uh, Jamal Adams was kind of up and down. Mm-hmm. He missed a couple of tackles, and sometimes, you know, in the middle of the field, there's wide-open receivers. But I think, uh, you know, hopefully he'll get better and better and, you know, get Julian Love more involved. And then I think what's really going to be important this week, Bump, is taking care of the middle of the field. Yes. You know, you saw yes. that Stafford does not get tired of throwing a five-yard route. And, and also, then the other thing is, when you start hitting those five-yard routes, linebackers creep up. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they're jumping stuff, and then you've got, you know, a lot of. Uh, you see that Tutu Atwell, and uh, and also Puka Nakua are really good at running routes. You know, I saw in, the, in game one there was a, some confusion there with the young guys, and one of them was Witherspoon, and so he kind of, you know, didn't really. Uh, they they both got kind of confused, and there's somebody open right in the middle of the field, and that's that's where I think they're going to attack the Seahawks. Going back to Witherspoon, <clears throat> love his in- instincts, love the way he plays. What I also love is when I can physically tell that he's talking to the receiver before the ball is snapped. Like his body language, his head is moving, and that's just part of his game. And it doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem to get him out of uh, out of character or what he wants to do. He is so locked in with what he is doing, man. Um, it shows, and I, and I love watching Witherspoon play, man. All right, uh, we are just going to start. we got a good show on the huddle today. We're going to hear from Jaron Reed, Derek Hall, Gino as he steps up to the podium. All that is next right here on the huddle. This is the huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. This is the huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus, joined with my guy Dave Wyman. Man, we talked about the uh, the Commanders game. Hawks get it done at home, 29 to 26. Game winning drive by that offense to a set of Myers for the game winning field goal. And uh, I guess now it's time to, to turn the page and focus a little bit on the task at hand, and that's the Rams, man. And uh, the Rams are a team on paper. When you look at the numbers, pretty evenly matched. Yeah. Right. Um, as far as offensive ranks, defensive ranks, I think the biggest difference would be the sacks and the uh, the turnovers. But um, when you look at the Rams, we'll take a deeper dive here in a, in a little bit. But when you look at the Rams, what stands out to you? Uh, to me, it's Stafford. Now, I know that Rippon played last week, and I believe Stafford is ready to go this week. Um, but, you know, that to me, he just doesn't get tired of checking it down. He's a really smart football player, yeah. and he just does a great job being patient and, you know, finding the open guys. they got a lot of young guys. Uh, I was just watching their last three games, just kind of going through, checking out some of the highlights. They're a very young team, and, you know, sometimes that shows up on special teams. They got a punt blocked against uh, the Cowboys that mm-hmm. was, went out for a safety. Then they get, you know, they, they kick to them, and they get down to the 20-yard line with the return. So some of the special team stuff has been a little shaky. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a team that just, you know, we, last week I was asking the guy in Washington, what is it about, you know, and I would ask somebody in Philadelphia, what, what's the, what is it about the commanders that makes them tough because they had to beat them in overtime mm-hmm. and then they beat them 38 to 31. It's just a divisional thing, right? Yeah. You get to know, I think we are five and nine against uh, Sean McVay. 
He's nine and five against the Seahawks mm-hmm. since he's been there. So I think he is probably the biggest threat. <laughs> you know, I mean, he he knows this defense, and I feel like he really knows Bobby Wagner, and he's gonna. You know, I, I feel like he's gonna figure out a way to exploit our defense. That's what scares me the most is that um, he's already found a way to exploit the defense. And now we got Bobby over. He spent a whole year to study him, Bobby, right? Everyone has their strength and their weaknesses. That just gives him, like, another advantage on us, right? He he knows what Jamal does. He knows what Reek does because he's just a film junkie. That's what he does. But when you have a player that's there, you really get to, to hone in on him. I'm hoping that uh, Rippin, am I Rippin, have a sit-down with uh, with every coaching coach uh, on the coaching staff and give us some insight on these on these rants because we've struggled against these guys over the past few years yeah yeah we have I feel like whoever is at quarterback is still it's more about Sean McVay so um yeah it was uh, it was interesting the last time how you know Stafford came in here he didn't get sacked he didn't throw an interception he didn't throw a touchdown and he was 63 percent but he had 334 yards, and they were 65% on third down. So, I mean, they just they just find a way, I think. Uh, and Nakua and Atwell combined in that game for 238 yards. Dang. And I think a lot of it was in the middle of the field. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, it, to me, it's not who's at quarterback. It's more about Sean McVay and his, his plan. Yeah, um, the coach's job is to put you in position to make the plays, right? And uh, McVay's done a, a great job of that. So, uh, when he said they responding, right now we are joined by Jaron Reed. Man, we appreciate you taking time out of your day. Hollering at us real quick, man. How you doing? Good. Good, good, man. Uh, man, I was uh, I was thinking about just your, your journey. And, uh, man, you've had some good years. Can you hear? Hello. Yep, Hello. got you. Yep, you You've had some good years, man. And, um I look at the situation when you left here and the situation now that you've come back. Has your role changed at all, or are you pretty much doing the same things as you do in the in the past? Uh, I'm thinking I'm doing the same thing I've done in the past, but now it's like I'm actually the oldest guy in the room. <laughs> well, not by years, but, you know, just playing-wise. And you got a lot of young guys you got to bring under your wing and you know, show them the way. Right. Do you, do you get tired of the young guys asking you questions? No, not at all. I love football. I'm a football junkie. I can talk about football all day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who are some of the, what are some of the things that they ask you? You know, just what are they trying to get from you as far as your, your knowledge of the game? Um, well, you know, like Cameron Young, he's asking how I see the field and, and how I play so fast, just knowing, like, formations and stuff like that. And um, really – you know, I was taught those things uh, coming up, playing alone. I look, I tell the guys all the time, man. I was lucky to have some great coaches, and uh, so that's one of the questions, like how I see the field and how do I play fast. And a lot of guys ask me, you know, how do I maintain, like, you know, my mental aspect of the game too, as well, like you know, playing so many plays and yeah. you know, just enduring what you do during the game and then coming during the week and still being able to sustain mentally and physically. And so, you know, all questions they ask are really valid questions. Yeah. What was it like, um, you know, when you you found out, decided you're coming back to Seattle, man? Um, you know, I could imagine leaving for a couple of years and coming back. Uh, was it rejuvenating, refreshing? Or how was the mental? Oh, yeah, it was very refreshing, you know. But, you know, I kind of came back with a chip on my shoulder, too, you know, just to come in here and, you know, get them everything I have. Because, you know, I feel like when I left, a lot of people feel like I fell off and stuff, you know. 
But, you know, stuff happens. When you go somewhere new and versus somewhere you've been for so long and a playing style that you play, you know, everybody doesn't like that playing style everywhere else. Sometimes you got to adjust to what other coaches and, you know, and, and, and that type, you know, how they want you to play. And uh, so, you know, come back here, you know, I just want to show that I still got plenty of juice left. You know, I'm still young, still fresh, feeling ready to go. And, uh, yeah, man, it's the most part, I just want to give everything to the Twins and to the organization. How old are you, Jay Reed? I'm 30. So you're a young man. <laughs> young man. That's the new yeah, 20, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's very young. Yeah. Hey, uh, last game, you blocked a field goal. And I was so impressed by that because that's like something I, I think a lot of times on – like field goal rush, a lot of guys just get into like I'm just gonna go out and do my job. You're working on that, man. Yeah. That was that was impressive. What what kind of move did you make, and have you been close to others this year? Um, yeah, you know it was a call that we had, and on that call I do a particular move, but you know I think it's all just basically how you set it up, and you just gotta go every play because you never know. You yeah, know, the one play you take off, maybe the play you could have right. made uh, a splash play happen. That would have been a critical play in the game, you know, because every point counts in this league. Yeah. Man, this defense is fun to watch, man. And then you, you add Leonard Williams. You got yourself there. Frank Clark is back. The young guys on the outside, man. It, it seems like you guys are, as every week progresses, you're trying to, you're starting to figure out exactly who you are and who you want to be, man. Who is this defense? If you had to describe it to someone who's never watched y'all play. Um, I got to say we're physical. We're fast. And we got a lot of swag. <laughs> Those would be the top three that come to my mind. And that's uh, – I think that's what makes a good defense. You know, you got to have physical players. You got to have fast players. And you got to have players that got swag. You know, you don't play with no swag, then, you know, you just bland. So we season. <laughs> <laughs> what are you seeing from uh, from the Rams this time around? Are you looking at their last three still? Is that – pretty much what you watch or are yeah, they putting yeah. other clips in there what do you see from their quarterback position there and then also just the rams in general what they want to do oh uh, they're they're really honed in on their style of play and what they believe in their philosophy of their offense um that's what i see and uh you know it's whatever's on film that they put on there it's been the same it's really not uh really too much of a difference that just shows that they believe in what they're doing and um, so those just probably would be the type of things. I know one thing. I didn't know who the Puka Nakua guy was before him. But I know now. <laughs> and he's a pretty darn good player. You know, yeah. Him and Cooper Cup out there. You know, I loved that. I was listening to the postgame show on the way home, and somebody asked you, well, what do you think about Puka Nakua? And you go, who? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're a D-lineman. You don't give yeah, a crap I, about I the receiver. No but, yeah, I, I mean, the kid – yeah. It's lighting it up, he's right? He's lighting up the league right now. He's he's having a very good season. But I mean, in your defense, come on, defensive tackles don't care about wide receivers. That much, yeah, right? I don't. No, <laughs> I don't. I hope that catch one of them on the screen or something. Yeah, <laughs> get him. Uh, well, Jerry, you know you got a lot to do today. We uh, appreciate you taking time, man, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Go get it this weekend. All right, thank you. Thanks, All Jerry. Right. Jay Reed joining us, man. We're going to hang around a little bit, wait for Derek Hall to join us as well, man. Uh, Jay Reed, man, he, he's back, and he's making noise, man. He's um, He's oh, yeah. been 
probably on that defensive line the first guy to really start making plays. He, you know, it's like he started the party, then everybody else started to join in. Yeah, he is just so nasty inside. Plus, you know, and a lot of times guys like that, they don't, you know, they'll just kind of take up space, but he makes mm-hmm. plays. Yeah. So, yeah, I love what we're seeing from him and just the, the defense. You know, I feel like it. as soon as it all comes together, then I think they'll they'll start to really take off maybe in the second half of the season. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm waiting to see um, not what Leonard Williams could do because we've already seen it, right? We, we saw him with his first sack. You mentioned he helped out Boye Mafe on his sack. But just eventually how he gets everybody involved, man, because um, I think that's one of the pieces that we're missing, just a big man who can take up a double team and keep the linebackers clean. Who was, who was the guy you played in front of that you are behind that, that you knew, all right, man, he's going to keep me clean. I'm going to be able to make some tackles today. <clears throat> I would say Cortez mostly, but Cortez like went and made plays. And so it's not like he just was taking up space. Right. I mean, we kind of had a little game where I would slant him one way and I'd go the other and vice versa. And, you know, and every once in a while I was told to slant the line a certain way and he would go the other way. He would shake me off. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, you're the defensive player of yeah. the year. But yeah, I mean, he was really good. Um, I had a guy in Denver named Greg Cragen. And the one thing about him that I remember, if I close my eyes, I can see him grabbing a guard so the guard can't get up to the linebacker and that's called holding on on uh on defense and yeah. you can get called i think we got called for that this year yeah or, or maybe against us it definitely happened yeah yeah so i mean you don't see that very often but yeah a lot of times you get uh you get uh, an offensive lineman that will do that and you make sure that or i'm sorry a defensive lineman that'll grab an uh-huh. o-lineman for you you make sure that they never pay for a beer ever again <laughs> you hook them up yeah hook them up your money's no good here that's right there we go all right we are one down we got another one to go man we're going to be joined by Derek hall right here charlie's getting all set up my man's making it off the practice field get something to eat real quick uh appreciate you taking time and i know the schedules is tight man Oh, schedules yeah. is tight. I don't think people realize that. They think, oh, they play football. They just show up and practice. I go, look, man, they clock in early. They got a little break. You got to go lunch, treatment. You might have to run to the house, go do something, come back for later practice. So how how you feel like you're, you're adjusting? I think we, we spoke to you earlier in the season, and you're, you know, figuring it all out. And, uh, you know, now, man, my, my coach used to tell me, he goes, man, after like six weeks, you ain't no rookie no more. Like, right. You in the game now. How you feeling? Yeah, man, uh, it's good. Um, you know, like I said, it's always a blessing. Uh, but, you know, the routine's the routine now. So I get up in the morning about 6 o'clock, got two dogs, I let them out, come yeah. to work. <laughs> you know, go go through morning meetings, go through my routine, treatment, all that good stuff, trying to get my body ready to go for today. So, uh, you know, get my lunch break, hang out, you know, get my mind relaxed, maybe look over some plays, run to the house, let the dogs out again. Right. Uh, come back, and, you know, at that point it's time to practice. Go through practice and then, you know, get to the afternoon meetings and, uh, you know, just go home and try to enjoy the rest of my evening that I can. So I'm adjusting well and uh, the schedules and the routines are scheduled. You're you're a brave man. You just picked up the dogs as you came up here or do you already have the dogs? No, 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 up? no. I, I, I had them before. Oh, I came. okay. I was about to say, yeah. man, you got puppies at the house. Yeah, Woo, nah, that'd yeah. be tough. You must live close by. I do. I yeah. do. I don't oh, live far good. at all. That's wise. Yep. Uh, do they they still fining people for being late and whatnot in the NFL? I don't know. I'm sure they are, but yeah. I ain't found out, and I ain't trying to find yeah. out. Because we, we used to get fined, and then the coach, like, 
it wasn't a lot of money, but when Chuck Knox would stand up and call your name out, he'd call you out. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of uh, sort of intimidating. Right. But, hey, you're start, you made a couple of plays over the last uh, few weeks. Are you starting to feel comfortable uh, right now? I mean, I know it takes a while. for It didn't, It took me until my second year. I didn't play at all as a rookie because I was lost. But it looks like you're starting to kind of find your ways. It's starting to make more sense to you out there. Most definitely. I'm definitely starting to figure it out. The game is starting to slow down a little bit for yeah. me. Uh, throughout the week, just picking up on tips and tendencies that you know that I need. That the thing that I can adjust to as a young guy, that's not too much thinking. But when I see it, I know and I can acknowledge it, and I tr- try to use that to help you know slow the game down for me. Know what I have coming, and just pick up on the things that help me play a little faster. So um, it's, it's definitely going a lot smoother. The game is slowing down for me. Yeah. Are you a first bus guy to the stadium or second bus guy to the stadium? Uh, it. When we go to Lumen, I drive myself, uh-huh. and uh, I'm, I usually like to get there like an hour before team up, mm-hmm. so get time to get in the tubs. You know, I'm not rushing. I can take my time, get in the tubs, do a little stretching, warm my body up, and then after team up, obviously we roll. But uh, on the weight games, it used to be two buses, but now everybody goes oh, it's on, just the one now? on the same bus. Yeah, okay. so it's multiple buses, but we all leave at the same time. Right, yeah. right. I was I was the first bus guy. What, what were you, Dave? Man, I used to actually the guy I was just mentioning that I played with in Denver. We yeah. would get a cab and go over to the stadium before the first bus. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I just like getting in there when nobody else is in there. Get your pads taped down, stuff right, like yeah. that. They still do that. Yeah, they tape do. pads they down. Do. Yep. Got yeah. to. Yeah, one of the guys in the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, they use uh, they use uh, Velcro now. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 So it's a little different. I just remember tipping that guy really well at the end of the season. <laughs> the guy that did my, yeah. did my jersey. Keep hell. Exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It's because real. they hold. Oh, yeah. They still do. Holding's <laughs> legal in the NFL. <laughs> if you do it right with us receivers, we just got to keep our hands in tight. Well, if you keep them inside, that's fine. <laughs> you know, keep your hands right there. You hold me. I'm like, man, they ain't calling it. We good to go. Yeah. Let's go. Oh, uh, man, this week you, you got the, uh, the Rams, man. The first mm-hmm. week it wasn't all good, right? right? Everyone was surprised, honestly. I feel like you guys were, we were. Um, how is this team different, the Seahawks, different from week one um, when you compare you guys to now? Yeah, I think the biggest difference is obviously just camaraderie, uh, you know, getting in the swing of things. Everybody know how everyone's going to play, the expectation that every single person has for the person on the team, and really just doing your job. You know, week one, you're still trying to figure it out, and, you know, what now is week 11. Uh, I'm sure every, every team has their identity. We have ours, and that's playing hard nose, and that's running and hitting every opportunity that we get on, on the defensive side of the ball. So we're just trying to take advantage of that and move forward as a unit and just, you know, just keep stacking week after week after week. So that's our process, and that's what we're going to stick to. Well, last time we had you on, um, Derek, I was I was kind of pissed because we didn't have enough time to talk about all the good stuff, you know, from, from your, your life and your how it started out for you and how cool that was and the NIL money that you gave back to your, mm-hmm. to your, your hometown. But um, your family means a lot to you, and – uh, you mean a lot to them. Have they been able to come out to some of the games and, and, and on the road and stuff like that? Family comes to every game. Every game. Yep. Uh, let's Good go. for you, man. Mom just awesome. booked their flight to uh, LAX. So okay. they'll, they'll, be, they'll be in L.A. And, man, like I said, my family was very great. They're very supportive. Um, you know, I had an event, what, yesterday or the day before. Uh, recently just launched my foundation. So, uh, you know, that was amazing. And I, I had my second annual um, Thanksgiving drive. To, to give back to my community and go for it. And with me oh. being absent, it ran smooth. My mom does a great job, so um, I can't thank her enough. Is she so, running that for you? Yeah, she yeah. she she runs everything with the foundation. So What's the name of the foundation? Uh, Derek Hall 1% Foundation. All right, Derek Hall 1% Foundation. And Make what, sure y'all support. Yeah, oh, yeah. What, are you, what are you doing? Tell us a little bit about it, what, what that benefits. Yeah, so the foundation uh, is, is really geared towards 
giving back one to my community, but obviously with everything that I went through as a preemie and all that stuff, trying to find some way or form to, to make that, you know, the quota um, or the main point of, of my foundation. And that's, that's, that's giving back and trying to help parents with, and kids with, um, that, that were born prematurely just as I was. So, um, you know, I think the next big thing that we're trying to do is, uh, you know, strollers, uh, you know, diapers, baby wipes, clothes. Um, I'm going to visit the IQ here um, in December. So that's huge for me, man. Like, like I said, just giving back and, and, and really pouring into lives and letting kids know and parents know that you're going through the same thing that me and my family went through, and you can and will thrive. That's what's up, man. Well, we appreciate what you're doing on the field and off the field, and uh, go to L.A. And, and do your thing, man. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Appreciate right. y'all. Thank That's you That's Derek Carr. When we come back, we got lots more to do here on The Huddle. This, this is The Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. You are listening to The Huddle on Michael Bombas with my guy Dave Wyman. And uh, you know what? We just interviewed Jay Reed and Derek Hall. These guys are um, – are, are big parts of what this defense is doing. Derek Hall, more in the future. I love the way you put it. You said, look, man, you've been making some plays. You kind of see the snowball effect happening with Derek Hall. But with Jay Reed, I mean, he hit the ground running. And uh, to see him now at 30 is uh, a bit different than when he was last year and he was like 26, 27 years old. Yeah, well, he's he's kind of the, the old – I don't think they – Calling him old head is not a uh, that's not a positive, but uh, yeah, he's the old man on the group with, at age thirty. But I think he's just been a scrapper inside. He's one of those guys that can also a lot of times you get, and I don't want to say Al Woods didn't make plays, but like Al Woods would take up space, right? And just a lot of it because of his body, but he wouldn't you know record a bunch of stats by any means. Whereas Jay Reed is, I think the his presence is that he's a battler mm-hmm. in there. And I love how physical he plays. And I, I just feel like on defense, you have to be physical. It has to start there. People that, you know, run around and make tackles and things like that. I, I still think it's about taking on linemen and just being aggressive, and that's what he does, and that's what that's what I love about him. And he's also, uh, you know, become a playmaker over the years. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with him. But yeah, with Derek Hall, I mean, it, it just it just takes you a while to get it, and I don't think you start to make plays. I mean, I think you do your assignment, right? Because you're so afraid of screwing up your assignment <laughs> and because you'll get fired that you don't really turn it loose. So that third part of a play, like getting lined up right, executing your you know, your responsibility in the defense, and then the third part is just cut it loose. Be a football player like you were when you, when you were in college. And I think that a lot of guys wait on that or it doesn't come to them quickly just because they're so afraid of making a mistake. And as I know I was my rookie year, then you start to get – Get it, and the, like he said, the game slows down for you, and then you start making big plays. And he is a big physical dude. And for the first time, I think starting in the uh, Baltimore game, he started to really hit people. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's making those kinds of plays. Be free. That's what I tell my kids all the time. I go, look, if you're not out there one having fun and not being afraid to make a mistake, you're never going to be your true self out there. Like you have to just rely on your training and just. Freaking go. So I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. I think that that's what that's what you described, and that's what we're seeing. Jay Reed's already there. He goes, look, man, I'm an old man. I'm 30 years old. I'm an old yeah. man. I've been in this league a while. All right, man, this is a quick little segment for you. When we come back, we're here from Gino at the podium. That's next on The Huddle. This, this is The Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. 
Gina Smith steps up to the podium now. Um, that's a great question. You know, I really haven't even kind of looked at that. But uh, I'll say, you know, I think uh, just over the course of the season, um, just all the experience we've gained, you know, uh, had some some younger guys who were playing their first game and now um, they're a few games in now. So, you know, they have a better understanding of, of what's going on. Um, we've played a ton of guys uh, up front, you know, and so uh, the addition of guys like Jason Peters and, you know, other guys like Stone stepping up and, you know, Jake and all the guys who uh, stepped in there and played. Uh, they've gained a ton of experience. And then overall, we're just growing, still learning. Um, long season ahead of us. So, you know, really just getting better throughout the season, I think. You know, you had some success against them last year, won both games. But historically, under Sean McVay, you have some really struggle. They've always been really close games whenever you've won. What, what makes it so difficult in this divisional rivalry, specifically against the Rams? Yeah, um, you know, I'll say from what from my vantage point, you know, you got uh, a great head coach and, and Coach McVay. Uh, he calls the plays. Uh, he's, he's, he's great at scheming uh, things for his guys. Um, he understands offense and defense. Uh, I think, you know, Coach McVay is, uh, you know, one of the better coaches in the league, as we've seen. And then they've got great players. Um, you know, Matt Stafford, you know, Aaron Donald, uh, all the players that they've, you know, had throughout the years um, is the reason why they've won a bunch of games. And, and you know, in, in my opinion, it has made it close uh, in those games against against us. And then, obviously, division games are going to be uh, a little bit tougher just because the familiarity there, um, just knowing uh, the opponent and, and them knowing us. So uh, we expect it always to be a really good game. But, you know, it doesn't have to be. You know, we can go out there and, uh, you know, win, win, win one easily. But um, we know they got great guys, got a ton of respect for those guys, and uh, we expect it to be a close one. You have to be most aware of when you look at their defense. Uh, number ninety-nine. You know, to start to start. You know, where is he at all times? Uh, Hall of Fame player. You know, one of the best players ever at his position, and uh, still playing at a high level. So just knowing where he is, and then all their blitz packages. Um, you know, the schematic stuff that uh, they're great at. Uh, they always got some some different wrinkles in their defense. So just being able to make adjustments on the sideline or at halftime, and then um, overall just going out there and playing our game. Gino, is there a spot on the defense where a particular standout star gives you more to deal with? Like, is it a defensive tackle that's a big standout guy? Is it the big, you know, shutdown corner? Is it a you know, standout lineman? Is there some some guy out there that's more in your that you have to take stock of than any other? Uh, no, I think they're all. Uh, equally as uh, as good, and um, each week is going to present a different challenge. Some guy, sometimes it's guys up front. I mean, we've seen seen all the best guys up front. I feel like this year, uh, some weeks it's uh, you know really stout secondary. Sometimes it's really good linebackers uh, like the Ravens or you know some of the other teams we played. And so I think each guy brings a different dynamic. I think you've always got to be, especially in the NFL. Man, they're all great players out there, but there are a couple guys out there that you just got to know where they are at all times and. Um, for the most part, you know, you just try to go out there and execute and not really think about that much. When you went back and looked at the film, did you see any differences between the first half and the second half last week in terms of being able to, you know, hit a lot of big plays when you needed to and score points and stuff like that in the second half? Um, I think we just uh, executed a little bit better and then obviously connected on more of our passes. Um, you know, I think that was really the difference. I think uh, early on in the game, you know, we kind of stalled, which happens in the NFL, man. It's going to be close, um, you know, sometimes. And so I think early on, you know, we weren't finishing drives. And then as the game went along, I thought we, we did a better job at, at finishing in the end zone and, and, and then getting points, you know, late in the game when we needed to. When it comes to Tyler Lockett, obviously you want to throw a perfect pass to him all the time, but what kind of grace or leeway does he give you with his ability, whether it's catch radius or circus catches, 
I mean, Locks, he's tremendous at that. And, uh, you know, that's the reason why he's such a great receiver is that he has that huge catch radius. Um, you can put the ball somewhere, anywhere around him. Uh, he'll find a way to make the catch and then get his, his toes in, as we've seen uh, time and time again. And so when you got guys like that, him, DK, Jackson, Bobo, Noah, you know, Kobe, you know, his 6'8 target. I mean, Will Disley. Uh, there's a, a ton of playmakers on this team. And, um, you know, Locke is, is one of the better ones. And, and he's a guy that we got to continue to get the ball to. He's so consistent. And, and he just does a great job week in and week out. Um, you know, just to be calm, just to be poised in those situations. Um, my first ever game in the NFL was on, the, you know, win was on the game-winning drive. And so I felt like my entire life I've been um, always preparing for that. Uh, those are the moments that I really love. Um, I really enjoy the times where you could, uh, you know, kind of put the team on your back or go out there and win the game, you know, especially late in the end. And so uh, for us as a team, um, like I said, we practice these things every single day. Uh, we just got done practicing it. And, um, you know, we're comfortable in those situations. So, uh, you know, I just think we just got to continue to stay poised and just go out there and play just like it was the first quarter. I think, um, you know, the more that we can be multiple uh, in our personnel, uh, the more that we can uh, be multiple in our play calling and our scheme, um, it just gives defenses more to prepare for, uh, gives them more to plan, plan for. We got three tight ends who could, you know, easily all be number ones, and they all do a great job at kind of splitting reps, but each one of those guys are dynamic in their own right, and they're great pass catchers. They're great in the run blocking scheme. Um, they're great in, in pass protection, and then they're leaders of the team. So just having those three guys and and Mabry and the and you know and uh, and Brady, um, he's come along to the group as well. You know all those guys are doing a great job. So uh, we just got to continue to use them and, and, and keep uh, allowing them to kind of you know drive our team. Have you had tight ends line up with you before, like you have this season? Be the first time on this team, and uh, you know I think Shane does a great job with that. I think our tight ends are so versatile and they can do so many different things and pre present so many different looks for a defense. So uh, it's really cool to have those guys be able to do all those things. What was your reaction when Zach ran over that Damn, we need him to get out of bounds, but damn, that was a hit. Like, what, what uh, that was exactly my reaction. Uh, I was saying it. I, I literally told him that. You know, I was like, Zach, you gotta get out right there. But I was like, damn, that was a nice hit. But uh, yeah, man, just one, one. You know, he's a guy who, if you watch his film, man, just time and time again, he gets to the secondary and he's just punishing guys. And um, shoot, man, he's hard to tackle. I wouldn't want to tackle him. Anything else? Why do you think uh, the Commanders game was such a good game for you guys in terms of after the catch stuff? I think, uh, you know, you got to give the credits to the wideouts, um, you know, them catching the ball, being playmakers. And then some something that goes unnoticed is the guys that are, you know, running down to make blocks for them. Uh, you know, we talk about that a lot. You know, guys burst in to go make blocks. And, you know, you'll see that on film where a guy catches the ball and there's a guy who didn't catch the ball, right? He's not, you know, thinking about, man, I should have got that. No, he runs down, he blocks somebody, you know, helps the guy get an extra five to ten yards. And, you know, that's everything for our offense. You guys know coming in, you maybe could have success there or was just by chance? Um, we feel like we can have success, you know, pretty much every week with the guys that we have. They're so dynamic. But um, I think, you know, last week was just an example of, you know, when it all comes together, how it can look. And I, I thought it was really cool to see those guys doing that. You know, it seems like you guys have had a little bit more success with your screen game recently. Is that something you feel like is coming along? It's timing up better that you're kind of meshing everything in the right way? 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, those plays are, are ways for us to, you know, if the defensive line is getting up the, up, up the field and they want to get off the ball, we can, um, you know, kind of counter them with, with, with the screen game. And so uh, it is coming along. I think the guys are doing a great job at just understanding the, the pace and the tempo and the landmarks and then, you know, getting the ball into the hands of great guys and let them do the rest. All right, that was Geno Smith, your quarterback. When we return, man, we're going to go into the trenches with Ray Roberts. This, this is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in. The huddle. Welcome back to the huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus, joined by Dave Wyman. And right now we got Big Ray Roberts on the phone. Let's get in the trenches. What's up, Ray? What's happening, big dog? How you doing? Hey, we're doing good. We're doing good. Getting ready for a, a nice little matchup, man. And, um, you know, when I think of the biggest problems that uh, the Hawks might have this weekend, um, it starts with 99. So let's go right to them, man. Um, I've, I've seen this offensive line, especially in the interior, right? There's been a lot of mixing and matching and, and getting guys ready to go. Um, how important is communication this week with this guy? Oh, absolutely important uh, because as soon as you break the huddle, He's the one guy that probably everybody on the field is looking to see where he is. The quarterback, the running back, all five linemen, probably a tight end's looking, the slot receiver's taking a peek. Like everybody wants to kind of know where 99 is. And so you have to start with that communication. And then whatever, uh, you know, play you have called, you have to make sure that the plan to handle him is communicated properly because you don't want to leave him, you know, free to roam the backfield or be in too many one on one. Uh, situations where he can impact the, the game that way. If you could pick one thing, one attribute about him, Ray, would it be his smarts, his power? Obviously, it's not his size, but you know what? What is it about him that that stands out the most that makes him so difficult to block? I think what makes him difficult to block is that all of those things you just mentioned. Like he's not the biggest dude, but he's quick, he's strong, he's powerful, he's explosive, he's explosive, and he's really athletic. But the thing that I that I like about his game is the uh, his approach to the game because he knows he has all those things and you could just easily just play off of your athleticism. But he has like a, a mindful, thought out, thought out game plan on how he's going to attack double teams, how he's going to attack a, a guard versus a center, or once he gets through the guard and the center, have to attack the running back, like all these different kinds of things. And I just uh, uh, appreciate the way he perfects his craft by continuing to. Uh, inform his craft and not just rely on his athletic ability uh, because all of that alone is enough for him to dominate. So then, you know, you put this, a student of the game to it and it makes it even more difficult. Big Ray, uh, Dave and I have been talking about the run game and uh, I think we both agree that gap scheme is looking really good, man. The traps, the powers, the counters, man. It, it really gets these guys going downhill. Um, what are the difficulties and, and what are the positives of running that type of, uh, of run scheme? Well, the, the, the most natural one is, the, is that sometimes when you're pinning and pulling and things, you allow for some penetration. And so, but, the, but like with the defense on your side of the line of scrimmage, that's like one of the first um, things that they want to do to disrupt play. So that means that you're, the guys that are pulling and trapping and things have to be precise with their, uh, with their reads on the run to make the block so that, so that you can uh, uh, deter that, that part of the defense. Uh, but I also like what you just said, though, is that that those types of running schemes, there's a mentality that you have to have 
when you run those. And it's not one to kind of jitterbug all over the place and, and try to pick and find, find a hole. You, you, we're going to run through the A-gap. Well, let's attack the A-gap. Let's get those three or four yards, those two or three yards, that three and a half to four yards, and kind of keep us in front of the chains. And I think last week when K-9 decided to be more decisive in his running, uh, the running game seemed to have seemed to have taken off a little bit versus when he's trying to look to break every run. Like he's trying to bounce everything to the outside, make people miss, you know, hit a home run every time, which is great when you get those. But when you don't get them, it takes away from the physicality of the game. Uh, you know, like I, I think there was a coach last year, I can't remember who it was, but he said that the, the important part about the running game is that it makes defenders have to engage blocks, get off those blocks, and then have to make a tackle against a 200-pound running back and the physicality of that is part of the game. So I think the running back's responsibility to that is to, he also has to have a game plan when he comes into it. Like he can't just say, I'm just going to get the ball and take whatever they give me and go. I'm just going to bounce everything. You have to go like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm going to run through some arm tackles early in the game so I can set these other runs up where I can bounce it to the outside, but also help establish our offensive line play. You know, Ray, I'm glad you brought up that quote. I think it was Brandon Staley that said that mm-hmm. about the about the run game that was like you know you you have to really commit to and if you're a guy that doesn't like taking on blockers then you force them to do that so yeah it's kind of uh, I agree with that um what about tell us about big cat and what you see out of that guy I feel like he can't be double teamed Ray I mean he's split a couple <laughs> and he's just really just a problem it seems like you think he can make a big difference I think so. You know, as he said last week, you know, he's he's really starting to get comfortable with the with the play calls and and how he fits on on the different things. The thing that I like about him is I didn't realize how big this dude is. Like he, yeah. I mean, he's a big dude, <laughs> like big, like wide wise and height wise. Like he's a tall guy. He, he's a big, strong dude, and he really does collapse the pocket. Like in especially in the running in the pass game. There's a couple times last week he probably could have had a couple of three sacks, but he just got there just a little bit late, but he pushed the guard at the center right back into the lap of the quarterback. And then there's a couple of times where he slipped a couple of double teams just with his quickness for a guy his size. And so I think the more comfortable he gets in the defense and understanding his role and how, you know, all the different fits, I think it's going to, it's going to make a huge difference. You know, been able to have the different combinations in there, maybe to get drunk, Draymond Jones, maybe out on the edge a little bit. And so you can have him and, Jaron Reed and uh, and big um, uh, Leon, in, I mean Leonard, in there at the same time, uh, because I just think that uh, those three are probably your best three defensive linemen. And probably once he gets into a rhythm, I think Leonard Williams is the best of the three. So uh, I, I'm excited what he's done and what he's what he should be capable of doing moving forward. Big Ray, um, Gino had himself a tell of two halves last week, right? First half wasn't too great. Second mm-hmm. half um, does enough to win the ball game. Is it safe to say that um, we should just expect those type of games, right? I don't think um, <laughs> this team is built just to be blowing teams out. I mean, every game is going to be – there's going to be some type of struggle within every game, I feel like. Yeah, it seems that way, Mike, and it seems like it's been that way for the last uh, couple of years. And uh, I just – every every game I go home and I think of uh, the Sanford and Son um, uh, show where – Red Fox used to stand up and put his hand over his heart and be like, you know, Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. That's nothing every week in the press box, dude. Like, it's like every week I'm grabbing my heart like, oh, my God. They're gonna lose. And then they they find a, find a way to win it. And so uh, I do think, you know, maybe the 
the way things are working on offense right now, the rhythm that they're in won't probably allow them to blow somebody out. But I do think that as they get more into a rhythm, like connecting the running game to the passing game, you know, last week they did a pretty good job running the ball. K-9, I think, had 19 carries. The, the two weeks before that, the, the, uh, we had 13 carries combined for the running backs. And then even in this last and the first game of the season against the Rams, I think there was 14 total carries, maybe a little bit more. I think uh, K-9 may have had like 12 or so, and, and Charbonnet had four or so. Uh, so they, they have to really uh, you know, attach those things to, uh, to the running game. And then also figure out what, it, what exactly is the rhythm with those two running backs. They both bring value to it. How do you balance, you know, them bringing, you know, the them best best selves all the time and giving them opportunities to do that? I, I think they have to, they have to do that. And then the, the other thing too, bump is like when you go back and look at the stats from the first game. This was as big a butt kicking as the as the as the Ravens, but the Ravens just looked different because it's so physically different. But if you look at the stats, they had the Rams had four hundred and some yards of offense. We had one hundred hundred and fifty or so. Uh, they had. 70-something total plays. We had 40-something total plays. Your score was 30-13. to 13. So it was, it was a, a pretty a pretty good beatdown. So I, I think the Seahawks need to come out uh, and be ready to play physical this game, uh, be able to let their offense be defense and keep the defense you know off the field and keep them fresh. And I think they'll have a chance to squeak out another close win. All right, man. Let's hope they get it done. And, Big Ray, we appreciate your time. I'll see you on Sunday, homie. Yes, sir. Good to see you guys later. Have a good one. Thanks, Ray. All right, that was Big Ray Roberts. When we return, we'll speak to the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. That is next right here on The Huddle. This this is The Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumas with my guy, Dave Wyman. We're waiting on our guy, your right-hand man in crime, man. Steve Rabel. You got, you got some, you got, uh, you got my like PIC. A PIC? What's yeah. that? Partner in crime? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wait, I knew that and you didn't. Well, once once I talked through it, I figured it out. <laughs> Sometimes you got to talk Come through on, it. Come on, Dad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, you know, I'm, I'm flashing back. So I'm going back to uh, last week when Gino drove the team down uh, for the game winning field goal. I thought about you guys. I go, those got to be so fun to call when the game is tight like that. Because every game that I've called in the Pac-12 network has been a blowout or just a boring game. I've yeah. never had a game like that where it gets down to the wire and you're you're illustrating what's, what's happening to the folks at home. Yeah, I get – well, Rabel kind of takes over in those situations because there's lots to say. I just try to stay out of his way mostly. But, yeah, it is exciting. It's like, oh, you know, I'm usually in the back going, oh, oh, you know, <laughs> instead of uh, just – shutting my mouth and uh, letting Steve make a brilliant call. All right. Well, you know what? Let's welcome in the brilliance right now. Raves, what's up? Holy smoke. That's that. I just barely heard something about a brilliant call. And, uh, and Dave, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't the know guy what the hell you're talking about, you, but you I able to figure out your phone there. You got, it went to voice. Uh, yes. I, I, my phone was turned off. Can, you can hear me, right? Yeah, yes, we, can. <laughs> we got you, oh, Ray. Okay, good. Hey, yeah. um, you know, McVay is nine and five against the Seattle Seahawks. And obviously there's so many places you can go when it comes to why. But what stands out to you the most when it comes to this matchup? How has he been able to be so successful against the Hawks? 
it's it's really interesting. And in fact, I'm I'm going to interview uh, Pete later today. And one of my questions is, why has Sean McVay been successful against the Seahawks? And he seems to find a little bit different way of doing things every time. Um, and the last time, opening day, uh, it was that those you know over routes, the crossing routes in behind the linebackers and in front of the safeties uh, against a defense that. You know, we hadn't didn't have Jamal Adams back yet. Had some new guys back there. Didn't have Witherspoon in the secondary, so he was able to find some weaknesses and take advantage of it. And I think that's what he does best. He really is uh, attuned to what his guys can do. He knows what his receivers can do. He doesn't have a lot of guys that are going to run past people and run deep routes and make big catches, but he knows how to get them open in spaces and they know how to get open in spaces. So I think that's one of the things he really does. Plus, you know, he's got a quarterback. We didn't see Stafford at all last season. We saw him in the opening game uh, and he was his old self. We'll see what that comes to this weekend. He's coming off of that sprained thumb, but uh, he, he just, uh, McVeigh that is, is just able to put guys where they ain't, as we like to say, and he's been very successful at it. Yeah, you know, you look at, uh, they, they, I think it was Mark Schlereth this week that was talking about Tom Brady and how he never got tired of checking it down and getting a, a free mm-hmm. six, seven yards. It's kind of like Stafford, you know, and I feel like he really works the middle of the field. So I feel like that's going to be maybe the one of the keys to the game, Raves, when we talk about it on Sunday is, you know, those guys are early on uh, in the first game, it looked like Julian Love and, and, um, and, uh, digs and the the safeties kind of had some confusion going on inside and they hit hit us for I think those two receivers had 238 yards so it seems like uh, that's going to be one of the keys to the game that he likes to work the middle part of that field yeah and remember they didn't have Cooper Cup then well they have him yeah, back now and and Higby is obviously still there and and Pete even mentioned the other day that Tutu Adwell is having a good a uh, good season this year as well. He's got, yeah. what, um, over 30 catches. So uh, th- they're all uh, in play. When Stafford is back there playing quarterback, he's back, like we say, he's back again. And if something happens to him, if his if his thumb gets hurt again or something, they've got Carson Wentz now as their backup uh, because we've got Brett Rippon. We signed him uh, off of uh, they tried to cut him and probably tried to sneak him back through, and John Schneider grabbed him and said, no, he's a pretty good quarterback. We want him here. So, uh, I, I I think it's going to be a real test, Dave. I'm with you that uh, uh, our defense, I think, is much better than it was opening day, certainly better than the second half of that opening game against the Rams. Raves, I look at this game, and, and I always try to find some type of advantage for the Seahawks offense, and I really think the advantage is going to be outside. I think um, Geno being able to connect to the receivers – could open this game up, but there's no denying you you have to run the football. When you look at the uh, the matchup between this offense and the Rams defense, where's your advantage? Well, <laughs> that's a that's a great question. They have really active linebackers. Um, Ernest Jones is a pretty good one inside, uh, and they've got Troy Reader who is back with this team. He had left, he came back. Rosenboom is pretty good inside, so. Their inside backers are pretty good. Uh, Brian Young is a good outside backer. And then there's Aaron Donald. And and the problem with Aaron Donald is they'll line him up everywhere. They'll put him outside as as a, a defensive end, even outside the tackle. They'll bring him down 
and uh, put him at an angle over the center. They'll do all kinds of things with him. And and what they try to do, obviously, is confuse the offensive line. But more importantly, he just makes life miserable for whoever's trying to block him. And if, if you're trying to double-team him, then he can cause all kinds of issues uh, that way as well. I, I think – one of the things I'd like to see is uh, is going after these these Rams much the same way we did after the Commanders uh, early on. That is, for Geno to get the ball out of his hands. Yeah, look to the outside guys. You know, they're they're cornerbacks. They don't scare you too much. I mean, one of them is Kella Witherspoon. We know about him. He he played for us for a short time, or was with us at least for a short time. They like to play you know, a nickel defense almost the whole time and have three cornerbacks in there a lot. So, uh, you know, we're, we're liable to see a lot of one-on-one matchups. Um, you know, Bobo, uh, there's not a lot of cornerbacks uh, unless they're 6'3 or 6'4 that are going to cover him one-on-one for a jump ball. You know, he's not going to beat many people in a race down the field, but for a jump ball, I like his chances. And then we got uh, JSN involved early this last week in those short crossing routes. What He caught three passes in about the first five or ten minutes of the game. So I think that that worked. I wouldn't be surprised to see a little of that again. Yeah, you know, um, last week Tyler Lockett was uh, was targeted ten times, had eight catches, and you know it seems like uh, he's one of those guys that you go, man, why do why don't we have more Tyler Lockett? But then you look, and actually he does get targeted a, a fair amount. But I still feel like that is is a guy that maybe should get more targets, and he's one of those guys, Raves, that if he doesn't get targeted he's like well that's okay my time will come I mean, he's just like it's just like the 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 perfect teammate but yeah, it, it, yeah. But he got going last week i mean he had eight catches for 92 yards and a touchdown yeah and and uh i remember one of our keys was we thought that that uh, dk might come on and start to play better if if for no other reason than because he's feeling better that <laughs> he could get over maybe that injury a little bit that he had or the injuries, the ribs and the hip had really slowed him down. And of course he came on toward the end of the game and, and made a couple of huge crucial catches. So both those guys, I think, and, and so, you know, go back to your geometry class, take your, your protractor out, your triangle <laughs> and ri- draw a straight line back to where the common point that both those receivers who had big reception days, where did it all start? And it started with Gino and, even though it looked like a couple of times there that there were some passes that were off and, and whatever, man, when it came down to, to uh, the, the cutting time, it was him. Those two drives at the end of the game were classic Geno. They were exactly what you want. So everything happened through the hand of the quarterback. And uh, he's just, I think, he just felt terrifically confident in that game and how they would play. And he knows this Rams team. They know him. So that should make it a good matchup there. And we know you, and we know that you're going to kill it on Sunday with that call, Raves, man. <laughs> we appreciate you. There's your pep talk. I'm, you're not getting that from me. By the way, yeah, that's right. By the way, does anybody out there know what a protractor is anymore? I, mean, I do. Yeah. I think I think my generation might be the last ones, though, Raves. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> Slide rules, all those things are gone now. Nobody, oh, nobody, unless you're you know, majoring in that stuff like Dave did at Stanford. Uh, it was communications. <laughs> Communications boat. Oh. Yeah. Solid B average. Very good. What happened? Did you get your degree? What happened? <laughs> you can't tell. <laughs> okay. No. no, I can't. Sorry. Uh, we, we have we jest at Dave's expense. I apologize. Uh, yeah, let's go have a great one on Sunday, guys. All right, buddy. All right, Raves. Take care.
See you, man. Oh. All right, that was Steve Rabel. When we return, we will get into an opponent preview that is next right here on The Huddle. This This is The Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus, joined by Dave Wyman. And now we're going to talk to the Rams play-by-play man, J.B. Long. It's almost like we just did this, J.B. How you doing? Way to take everybody behind the curtain. Yeah, you were able to uh, help me get through my program this morning, so it's only fair that I scratch your back as well. And Dave, hope you're doing great too. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on with us, man. Oh, my oh. pleasure. Been looking forward to this for a while. You know how it is coming out of a bye. It's nice to reset and take care of the honey-do list, but it'll be oh. nice to have Sunday back to ourselves <laughs> at the stadium too. See, you're like me on days off. I work way harder, way harder than when I do radio. So, hey, uh, tell us what's, uh, you know, what, what's kind of been uh, going on there with, uh, with McVay. I mean, he, we were just talking about the fact that he is five and, or I'm sorry, nine and five against the Seahawks. He kind of seems to have our number a little bit. But what has he been saying this week leading up to this matchup with the Seahawks? Well, I think he's trying to thread a pretty fine needle here in terms of where the Rams are, what they're dealing with, and what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, When we flew up there for week one, I don't think there was much, if any, expectation for the 2023 Los Angeles Rams. And that win quickly elevated the bar in terms of external expectations. Um, they've failed to live up to that, really, in the three weeks going into their bye. A three-game losing streak, then a week off an injury to the quarterback, which I think they're banking on not just him playing, but him returning to performance, which is a pretty big wager, right? A pretty big gamble considering two weeks ago, he couldn't even hold a football and dress in green Bay. Um, But then in the larger context, they're three and six and they're at a stage of their roster development where they finally have a first round pick in inventory. They have a whole bunch of free agent money to spend this off season So I think there is a segment of the fan base that says, are we really playing for anything? And if not, how do we recalibrate for the second half to put ourselves in a position to really thrive this offseason? Whereas McVay is saying, I've got eight games of prime Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald. I'd be foolish not to put the pedal to the floor and try and get this team into the playoffs, get them a wild card spot, see what happens in January. Hey, JB, um, you mentioned week one and what that did for your team. And what it did for the rest of the NFL was introduce uh, Puka Nakua to him. And, uh, you know, the the thought was once Cooper Cup got back, then his production would go down. Um, and obviously it takes a hit a little bit, but he's still, he's still maintaining. He's still playing some good football. How is uh, Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford able to keep both of these guys involved in the game plan? Yeah, Puka's been brilliant, but I don't think anyone deserved a week off more than him. Uh, not just a rookie adjusting life in the National Football League, but when you consider how much he's been targeted, the hits that he's taken, the way that he plays, and then just like the physical, mental, emotional toll of being thrust into NFL stardom when he was a relative unknown as recently as September, right? So I think he's got uh, great games ahead of him this season. I think he has a, a nice horizon in this league. But for the Rams to get to where they're trying to go, I think they need a more distributed target share between him, Cooper Cup, who has not played against the Seahawks in several years because of his own injuries, and then also Tutu Atwell, who was right there with Puka having a great game, a career performance on that week one day in the Pacific Northwest. All of it is contingent, I think, on Stafford's ability to spin it. 
Uh, when he's right and when McVay is matched up against the Seahawks, good things tend to happen. And it seems like the stars are aligning for that possibility again in week 11. But I'm well aware, as you are, that the Seahawks in week one may have been caught flat-footed and certainly don't have all the personnel available to them that they do now, including Devin Witherspoon. Yeah, the Rams got to be pretty happy with Atwell because he, I think he was selected after D. Eskridge or maybe it was before. I know they were back-to-back picks, and the, I know Tutu Atwell has been a guy that the Seahawks fans have kind of paid attention to just because it was close to when Eskridge was, was drafted, but starting to look really good. And uh, I know the Seahawks defense made him look really good game one, but starting to are they pleased with the production they're getting out of him? Has that been something that, like, going into the season it's like okay this is kind of your prove it year kid you know i'm glad that you mentioned that because while i was aware of it at the time d kind of coming off the board right before him and maybe some people saying oh that's the speedy receiver they would have wanted if if they could have drawn it up yeah what i've lost track of is the fact that for the rams audience it's creed humphrey a center who they thought they really needed who went to kansas city and has become a pro bowler there to whom tutu's been largely compared and that's rough right because a center goes and plays right away on a championship team, whereas Tutu, for whatever reason, has not really arrived until year three. Um, and the Rams at that moment in time were looking to get faster, especially at the skill position players, knowing they had Matthew Stafford who could attack vertically. They even signed Deshaun Jackson, if you remember, at the tail end of his career that offseason as well, mm-hmm. all in the hopes of being able to stretch vertical better so that Cooper Cup could feast underneath. Um, but Atwell has shown that he can run the full route tree now, and I think he's an important third piece uh, for an offense that lives in 11 personnel, much like you know uh, Jackson has done up there, kind of completing the trio running with DK and Tyler. When you, uh, you look at this team defensively, it's a bit different, right? When you have success, guys are going to move on, uh, but you still got Aaron Donald over there, um, and you still got Ernest as well. Um, what's, what, what, what are your thoughts on this defense? What is the strength of this Rams defense? Oh, man, it's a tough question to answer because I think the secondary uh, is the area where they have to improve most coming out of their bye, and that may require some personnel changes, including Trey Tomlinson, uh, cousin of Ladanian, who was one of their draft picks this year out of TCU. I wonder if we'll see more of him, uh, whereas Darion Kendrick, the Rams DK, kind of took the assignment against DK Metcalf in week one. Uh, the strength of this Rams defense, I think probably all the different ways that Aaron can rush the passer, which is the cop-out answer. But like we've seen him grow wider and wider in his alignment uh, throughout the course of his career. And, and then plugging in a rookie like Kobe Turner and then Byron Young on the edge and the way that they've been able to ramp up to rushing alongside of him, which is not as easy as it sounds, right? Like it's, it, you would think, oh, Aaron gets double and triple teams. Everyone's going to get one-on-ones. They should win. Well, a lot of it is like, how do I play games with Aaron? How, when he kind of crosses face, like how do I get in behind him on that stunt and puncture a pocket and clean up what he messes up? Uh, so without great games, without Ashawn Robinson, I think those rookies have kind of um, been pleasantly surprising teaming with Aaron Donald for a pass rush that seemingly rested entirely on his shoulders coming into this year. JB, man, we appreciate your time. Uh, have a good game this weekend. All right, looking forward to it as well. Always have fun when the Seahawks are in town. Last year was a great one at SoFi, and uh, I think this one will be too. Appreciate you guys having me on. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. 
JB Long, hardworking, man. He's everywhere, man. JP puts in work. And when we return, we'll talk to another hardworking man here, John Boyle. That is next right here on The Huddle. This is The Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bombas with Dave Wyman. And now we're joined by one of the best writers I know, Boyle. Where? John Boyle himself. Oh, I thought he was going to say me. But, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you did go to Stanford. I, I thought there was somebody else outside coming in. <laughs> Boyle, man, uh, this, this game scares me every year, twice a year. And um, now that Bobby used to be over there, I yeah. feel like McVeigh's like, okay, I even know how to attack this second level even more now that I have an inside how Bobby thinks and how he moves. Um, you know, how do how do you expect this Rams offense to uh, attack this defense? I mean, they've they found ways over the years with or without a Bobby Wagner connection. So, and they sure did a good job attacking it last uh, last time around in September that. The good news being the Seahawks defense is a heck of a lot better than it was then. They've got players that they didn't have in week one, like Jamal and uh, Devin Witherspoon, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to do what they always do, which is try to get the ball in the hands of those weapons that uh, have been very productive this year. Have we heard from Bobby this week? We about have, this yeah. matchup? And yeah. so, you know, I guess the question is, is does he know more about their offense or they know more about You know, he didn't or... get into too much of that. I'm also curious if, you know, Brett Rippon has given any, yeah. any good pointers this week. I'm sure he's getting asked about their offense. But, yeah, I mean, look, it, you know, there's always some information that gets packed back and forth, but they, they study these teams so much and they see so many things on tape that I don't know that it makes the biggest difference if you've had a player go back and forth a little bit. Um, McVeigh. Oh, he's he's found a way to keep this team relevant. I know you look at the you look at the record and you can say, oh, they're not a very good team, but you have some issues at the quarterback spot. He's been mm-hmm. banged up, um, other injuries. You lose your running back. Um, what is it about McVay that allows him to keep a team that's what three and six right now? Still on everyone's radar and mm-hmm. watching him to see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, he's just a really good coach, and he's been proving that since he came in the league. But I, I do think he's done a really good job with, you know, this is watching it from afar, but taking a, a pretty, you know, outside of kind of the big names of Stafford, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, this is a really young and experienced roster outside of those guys and one that a lot of people kind of wrote off to start the year. And I think he's done a good job kind of letting them feed into that and be in this sort of underdog role and trying to be this scrappy young team. You know, you got, again, some big names leading it, but beyond that, it's a lot of guys really trying to prove themselves and they're looking at, you know, they think they can make a lot faster turnaround than probably most people outside of that organization do. Is Sam Howell one of the guys that you like we played, you know, teams and every once in a while a different guy will pop up. Yeah. That guy popped up pretty huge. I mean, he was, he he was really, during during the week and you know just the things that Pete his comments and stuff like that I thought I thought it was uh, it was interesting that that guy actually might be not just because he played against our defense but mm-hmm. he actually might be a guy that you know maybe starts to get on everybody's radar now yeah no I mean he's been his first year as a starter and he's done some really good things put up some big numbers I mean they throw the ball a ton it's Eric Bieniemy running that offense so it's you know they're doing some good things in Washington and yeah he, I mean he made uh, you know I think. Seahawks defense played a lot of that game really well, but they let some plays get away from him and those two late drives. But, yeah, he he definitely showed he can make some plays. Well, how do you assess where Geno is at this point of the season? 
the team, the Hawks are six and three mm-hmm. at this point of the year, same as last year. Geno's a couple touchdowns off of his uh, where he was, and a few more interceptions mm-hmm. yards wise. Maybe he's at 150 yards yeah, yeah. off the mark. Just where, where do you think he is? I mean, I think he'd be the first to tell you he has not been quite as clean and as good as he was last year statistically. I mean, he you know he didn't have the turnovers at this rate, and I'm not you know I'm not saying every one of these turnovers is on him. We heard Pete Carroll allude to that last week of look. We, you know, sometimes a receiver is not where I mean, Pete's never going to throw an individual under the bus. But if you read between the lines, there's been times where receivers run the wrong route or the protection's not good enough. And just Gino can definitely be better. And again, he's the first to say that, but it's all the guys around him helping. But he's still done a lot of really good things. I mean, even in the games where you look at, you know, oh, they struggled a little bit, like he can still make some of the best throws you're going to see. He's, I mean, they've won six games and three of them. He led the game winning drive. He essentially did it twice last week because he took him down there to get the lead with yep. a few minutes left to that touchdown to lock it. So I think he's still overall doing a lot of things really well, but. I think both he and the team also expect that it can get better down the stretch here and he can up his game a little bit. Yeah, I think he's one of the most uh, sort of polarizing players just because people, because he's replacing Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. number one. The other thing is, is if you go back and look at a lot of times, it's like, well, number one, there was nobody to throw to. Mm-hmm. Now, look, sometimes it's his fault. Sometimes yeah. he, he doesn't throw the right ball or whatever, but we don't really know that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking at the game, it's like you can't really figure out. But then there's another times where he doesn't want to lead his receiver into a, a blow-up shot. Yeah. Um, there's times where he doesn't have time to throw. There's times where, you know, the receivers are, are not coming out of their routes on time. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's maybe one of the most unfairly judged yeah. players. Yeah, the, I think, game. look, it, there's plenty of people who kind of had their perception of what Geno Smith was before he ever started playing for the Seahawks. And they just kind of want that to be who he is. And so it's it's a lot easier to say, look, I'm right when he has a rough stretch versus like, OK, well, let's look at what he did, you know, for last season and all the things he's done well. So um, I'm not saying he's blameless in the struggles, that, that the turnovers and some of the offensive struggles, right. they've kind of ups and downs. But I do think it's, you know, a lot less simple than just pointing at him and saying he's regressed. It's been fun watching JSN get better and yeah. better and better, man. The game is slowing down. He seems more confident. Um, when you when you met him as a rookie before he had played a single game and you see who he is now personality-wise, does his personality, the growth there, reflect what he does on the field? Yeah, I mean, he's still kind of got that, like, calm, cool demeanor off the field when you talk to him. He just seems like a really kind of chill, mellow dude. But on the field, it's been really fun to see him grow and you know he got off to a slow start i think that injury is probably even if it wasn't like that much physically affecting his ability to play like it cost him a lot of time in a position especially for a rookie where those practice reps really matter so um he's you know he's come alive here the last what four or five games he's been putting up really good numbers and you know, it's kind of half joking, half serious, but it's like, man, if if he can fix the screen game for this team, he's worth every draft pick you get. Because I mean, <laughs> this real. is a team that it transcends quarterbacks, coaches. I mean, we can go back to the Holmgren era, mm-hmm. and they struggled to get screens to work, and all of a sudden you throw screens to JSN, and he's popping off ten yards, you know, nine yards, getting first down. So that's fun to see. Yeah. Um, our guy Witherspoon, man, yeah. he, he just is so fun to watch. And we were talking earlier about just how quick his feet are mm-hmm. and kind of reminds me of Sauce Gardner as far as how coming out of a break and things like that. Um, but, yeah, he just, uh, he's just been a delight to watch. And as far as, you know, I, I've not seen him speak 
you know, like up on the podium or anything like that. I don't know if you've talked to him, but mm -hmm. just tell us a little bit about his personality and, you know, what, what he brings. Yeah, he's done a little bit of media up at the podium stuff. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's got that, you know, he's not like a real loud, boastful guy off the field, but he's got that kind of call or like quiet swagger, if you will. Like you can tell he's very confident for good reason. I mean, he's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So he's got kind of that little, little bit of swagger to him, but he's still, you know, a young guy who's not, you know, it's not a Richard Sherman, you know, loud, boastful kind of thing, which was always fun. I miss that. But yeah, I mean, he's, just, what's that? <laughs> Do you? I do. I mean, yeah, when you're writing about a football team and you got a guy like Richard Sherman providing sound bites, no, you're right. it's you're awesome. Right <laughs> Him, Michael Bennett, we had some good characters. But, yeah, it's uh, – I mean, just what he's doing on the field, though, is just so fun to see. I mean, yeah. it's every game. Like you were saying, I think when we were in here last week or two weeks ago, it's like you expect like two or three – big kind of wow plays from him every game and he did it again last week i think he got three last week I yeah the, the three yeah. pass breaks and the fumble, the force fumble. i love that play that force well. you could tell i mean it was like 10 yards of him trying to take that ball away you yeah. could tell <laughs> as soon as he got to howell he was trying to rip that ball out and he just kind of hung in there for you know eight ten yards and finally got it out the last minute that was... well, and meanwhile he's running like beside him yeah. as he's doing that like his feet were so good on just <laughs> that play it was like he just was like a like a hornet just yeah. attacking that ball man yeah uh, that's a perfect description like a hornet attacking the ball. it just it all <laughs> made sense to me when you when you when you, when you said it um, um what about this run game? Uh, last year you go for or last week last week a buck twenty. Geno contributes with a thirteen yard run. It seems like they're so close yeah. to being really good. Is that what you, the same? Thing yeah, I mean it's they're getting there. They still haven't gotten probably as much out of the run game as Pete Carroll wants. I mean, well, he said that, so we can say that pretty confidently they have not. But you know, it was definitely a step in the right direction from that game in Baltimore where they just couldn't get much of anything going, including the run game. To where last week you started seeing some of the big runs. You saw them running the ball well late in the game, which is, you know, to me that's always a trademark of a of a good valuable run game is when you can pound it late. So, um, I you know I don't think they're there yet, but it's trending the right direction, and you've got two really good running backs leading the way. All right, no Stacy here today. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna end it that way. You know, we're gonna do a little different. Do it your way, Bob. Do it our way. And my way is to say, Boyle. Appreciate you, baby. Uh, Dave Wyman, appreciate you, too. You appreciate too. everybody nice who listened the show. to the Huddle. Appreciate you, man. And coming up next, you got the Wyman and Bob show next right on Seattle Sports.